In space, there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past. They have gone dark and cold, their signal faint to us. All players were once forced to play alone. But these games are not forgotten, they remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This is Retroland. Welcome to Retrolave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what makes these games special. This week's offering is Microprose XCOM Interceptor. And joining us tonight on the show is Rory Scarlett. Hello and good evening, and I'm known as Rory Scarlett on the forums. Ben Moss Woodward. Hey there, I'm Edelweiss on the forums. Simon Winnard. Hello, good evening and welcome. James Vigor. Hello, I'm James Vigor. I'm one Vigor on the forums. And Colin Ford. Good evening, I'm Phoenix Defire on the forums. And I'm your host, Grant Woolcott, or Psycho Cow as I'm known in the forums. Before we get strapped into our XCOM armour and get into some Scepter, let's relive our legend of the back end. That's right, our poor suffering near rage quitting rearguard from last time. Ben, how did it go? Did you ever manage to command that wing? Well, I played about another eight hours or so of Wing Commander 3 over the past couple of weeks. And, yeah, I hate skippers. The mission after we gave up that Monday night was an escort mission. Escorting the ship was fine, apart from the fact that you had these skipper missiles, which basically are these missiles that big Corvette-class ships fire at you, which have a crappy cloaking technology which kind of goes in and out and in and out, and you're meant to somehow find the bloody things and shoot them down, and one shot seems to go off and kill the passenger ship that you're escorting. I'd rage quit this, well, several times over the course of four hours, and then a couple of other times... And then eventually, I have to admit, I, I might have found out about the Mitchell cheat, which basically meant I pressed the X button when the missile came up instead, which went off and destroyed it, which made that I was able to actually complete the mission and then get on with the storyline. Right, so you're saying you actually had to resort to cheating to get through I, that I, mission? I had to resort to... There's a cheat called the Mitchell cheat or something like that, which basically is when you go into your ship, someone screams Mitchell, and then you press the insta-kill button... And that goes off and destroys whatever you've got targeted. So I was able to target the missile, press the kill now button, and that killed the missile, which meant that I could actually go off and kill the corvette and save the passengers. I remember struggling my way through those missions and skipper missiles were the one thing that used to drive you crazy because just when you thought you'd killed the last one, another one blooming reappears nearer the ship and you've got no chance of getting to it. So I know the frustration of which well, you speak. I had this idea of, you know, I want to actually try and get on with some of the game because the storyline I actually did find that I was starting to get into and I did enjoy the storyline. It's just that the gameplay sucks. I can't put it any nicer than that. I think that the flight engine remains incredibly simplistic. It's a good story wrapped around a rubbish game. And I don't think I'm going to change that opinion, unfortunately. Did you have a particularly low score last week? I had five and a half 
the lowest score was Rory on five, and Fozzer was the highest score on seven and a half. Yeah, because I think the storyline kind of all hooked us in, and that's what we remember fondly is the you know the feeling of importance playing the game. But you felt that well after the twentieth time of trying to kill those skipper missiles, that 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 importance had waned. Well, that, but it's also for me. Yeah, I love a good story in a game. I think story is probably one of the most important features of many games. Definitely, Wing Commander. But you need to have solid gameplay in there as well. And if you don't have that, then you've got a movie and you might as well just release a movie. Yeah, that's a fair point, I suppose. I think that is a fair point. So your ideal would be that storyline and the cutscenes, but with the likes of the TIE Fighter Collector's Edition engine? Something like that would be that would be a much more fun game, yes. Okay. Was there any other points that you wanted to bring up that you noted during your rearguard? Not really, but I did get the really nice ship that the lovely Rachel went off and left the keys in the ignition for in return for several favours. Ah, that was the Excalibur ship, wasn't it? It was a brand new prototype. Aye, that the RC twat of a commander person flying and goes off and bails on everybody while your ship's getting attacked and he's just lying in his bunk and you go off and beat him up. (laughs) She is bringing back memories now, I remember it. Yeah, he had it coming. But that's the kind of thing that I really enjoyed and I'd like to find out more about this guy and I'd like to maybe have the character go off and deck him again because he has it coming because he seems a complete douche. But then even more so, I'd like to find out that he's actually a really good guy and a really good pilot and there's a nice little twist in there. But that's what you get for playing the game. Well, what would you rate it out of 10 now, now that you've suffered it for a further week? I might give it a 6, basically because it's got a decent story. But that's begrudging because it is meant to be a game, not a movie. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for staying behind and suffering the skipper missiles and the poor flight engine. But that's not what we're here for tonight. Tonight we're looking at Micropose's XCOM Interceptor. XCOM Interceptor is the fourth main game in the XCOM series, developed by Micropose and published by Atari in 1998. The game is a combination of many genres, including space flight simulation, business simulation game and strategy game elements. More specifically, the player's role includes managing a number of XCOM space stations, piloting starfighters during hostile encounters while coordinating wingmen and managing resources and research. XCOM Interceptor, although released as the fourth game, was actually set before XCOM Apocalypse, thus making it the third game in the chronological order. The game is set in the year 2067, when the Earth's resources are all nearly depleted. To avert the slow decay of civilization, the major corporations of Earth venture into space, an area known as the Frontier, to find the raw materials required for humans. Unfortunately, some old enemies were already in the neighbourhood when the corporations arrived, the powers from the first alien war, and they have plans of their own for the resources of the Frontier. Plans that could very well mean the end of the human race. The player takes command of an elite force that has been created to fight the aliens in space. Unlike previous games in the series, the game is primarily a space combat simulator with the player flying starfighters to protect the human corporations set up to gather resources. The player also acts in the role of XCOM commander in the region, managing bases, resources and the organization's financial standing. The player also needs to capture and research alien technology in order to improve human technology and discover the reason for the aliens' interest in the region. The end game is signified by the discovery of alien plans to build a doomsday device to destroy the surface of the Earth. This device was some kind of energy weapon larger than a space station. 
As the weapon itself was impossible to destroy by conventional means, the research and creation of the Nova Bomb was required. This was a large missile which, instead of destroying the target directly, was aimed at the central star to assist them. Upon impact, it would cause the star to explode, destroying everything in the system. Thus, the missile's name, Nova! Now, the game was criticised for its campy tone and the out-of-place pop cultural references, something Fuzzle would have loved. It has many a crossover from Star Trek, Star Wars, E.T., Red Dwarf, South Park, The X-Files, Beavis and Butthead, The Wizard of Oz, Austin Powers, <laughs> Homeward Bound, Starship Troopers and Alien. The game sold poorly. About 30,000 copies were sold. Gamefront's Phil Owen wrote in 2010, This one is known sort of as the red-headed step-douche of the XCOM franchise, and yet it was the one that he played the most. Adding that he preferred the administration and space exploration parts over the not particularly fun simulation part, which is the part that we will be focusing on tonight. So guys, I hope you're prepared for some not particularly fun flight simulation. Whose joystick needs no force feedback for this title? Whose rose-tinted glasses are we going to challenge today? Which one of yees has played XCOM Interceptor? Surprisingly enough, I have. If you could give us your initial memories of XCOM Interceptor. Uh, well, XCOM Interceptor was unique because I actually really liked the original XCOM game, but I didn't like any of its sequels until this one came along. It had all three levels of warfare involved. You had strategic level, where you had that plan where you put your bases, how you did your supply runs, made sure that everything was topped up. You had the tactical level, where you had to decide how many interceptors you were firing off to intercept the various alien attacks. And then finally, you had the, the combat itself, which was based on... I reckon they tried to rip off the TIE Fighter engine as much as possible, because the keys are exactly the same, and the power management is exactly the same, the only problem was it just wasn't good enough. What would you say you were most critical about in the flight engine then? Um, well, the flight engine, it, it's really bizarre. It starts off far too sensitive. Basically, you start off with the most maneuverable ship. It's like a TIE fighter. You just touch the joystick and you fly off to the left, fly off to the right. It takes a while to get the hang of the engine. And that's basically the problem with it because you have to acclimatize to the controls. A lot of people didn't give it the time so what you're trying to say is people didn't give it the time it needed to get used to the controls. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. But <laughs> once you got past the, the control issue and you got the hang of the controls, there was a quite a decent game underneath. And it's one of those that, although there weren't cutscenes to keep you going, there was this constant, we've got to keep on researching, we've got to keep the pressure on the aliens. So you never got a break point to actually get away from the game. And there were occasions where you were there week coming out of it and thinking, oh, it's two o'clock in the morning, how did that happen? See, I was a huge fan of all of the XCOMs. Um, I remember fondly the XCOM Terror from the Deep, uh, Enemy Unknown, XCOM Apocalypse, and in fact the newest version as well. So I'm a huge fan of that. And in all the games, it was very similar. If you let the research slip, you're finished. If you didn't keep your troop levels high enough, you were finished because the game would go up a gear just as you started to feel that you were getting the upper hand. So just when you start thinking, I can beat these aliens, then they went up another level. You got a whole pile of new types of aliens that were much harder to fight. 
we had exactly the same thing with this because just when you had researched enough to get some decent weapons and you were thinking, right, we've turned the corner here, along comes the aliens with some new technology, new ships, and you're there, and basically you'd end up with complete and utter squadron wipes, which was absolutely awful. So it sounds like it's very similar to the XCOM games, but with this, this added flight simulator on it. Well, that's exactly what it was. They just replaced the tactical element, you know, the turn-based game, with a rather subpar TIE fighter ripoff. And once you get past that, it's actually quite good. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I look forward to actually giving this a go. Um, is there anybody else on the show tonight that has actually played this? No. So we're all going to have good fun trying to work our way around it. Okay, oh, yeah. well then, all that remains is for us to boot up the game. <laughs> Let's go straight to single player. I oh. would recommend everybody goes on beginner. Enter uh, me for your base. When I fall. Phoenix Nest. Well, I'll take you through the screen tour. What you have here, this is your main control base. This is where you'll detect all the alien in well, all the encounters here so you make all your command decisions here it's a nice retro kind of 60s feel isn't it launched in order to protect your those systems is you normally surround them with probes so that um, they can detect any alien attack right once you set up what you can that's when you hit the time accelerator the 24 hours a day one until you get an alien attack alien spacecraft detected so we launching Yep, well, I'm going to attack. So. Okay, engage. Do we have to... Oh, God. What? You're right, James. This isn't going to go well. Intercept mission launched. What does it mean if my sensor probe's red? It means you've gone in too deep. <laughs> Aliens, piss me off! I've got now got two Gatling layers on the front of the floppy banana. Okay, once, you, once you get better equipment, um... The, the difficulty level goes down until you think, oh, I'm all cocky, I'm, I can take on the world, and then they ramp the, the difficulty a bit more. I need help! Mission so, that's the gameplay section over. We've all been playing it for the last almost two hours, and uh, we're now back together to have a wee chat about what we've found. I found it quite tricky because I had quite a few issues with the actual gameplay due to the settings on my machine and it just stuttering away, which made it almost unplayable, but I did get a good idea of the combat. But we'll just go around and get the initial thoughts from everybody else. What did we think of the last two hours of our life? Are we never getting them back? Do we live in regret? Do we care? Or do we have some fun? Simon, what do you think? I actually really enjoyed the game. I thought the gameplay could have been a little bit more difficult. I found it quite easy at the time. I believe it does ramp up a bit, but the aliens I was shooting were fairly easy to target and fairly easy to shoot down. I managed to research some better weapons on the game. I got some Gatling guns, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite a good game. Fantastic. Ben, what did you think? No, I really enjoyed it as well. It's very much your XCOM game in that you've got to stay advanced and stay ahead of the, the learning curve and things like that. On top of that, 
despite what the reviewer said about the game being... Actually, it was the, de- the developer, whoever it was, saying that he thought the flight engine was pants. Once you'd calmed your joystick down a little bit, it was actually quite ex- exciting and quite playable. I did notice that it was quite sensitive, because the jumps that I would get in my screen would go from me, if I put the sensitivity down to the lowest setting, it would be about a centimetre that it would jump on a turn, to yeah. at the highest sensitivity, about four inches. Mine was as smooth as butter. Ah, see, I'm so envious. It might just be the fact I'm playing it on a laptop. Right, well, we'll go over to Colin uh, with your initial thoughts. I was pleasantly surprised, actually. It had all the, the good old XCOM grabbing factors, you know, for the base building and the long-term strategic researching. But the flight engine actually surprised me because I don't remember it being that good. But like everyone said, you had to count the joystick down, you know, make it a lot less sensitive. Once you got comfortable with it, it actually played not as good as TIE Fighter, but it, it, was, it was close. It does seem to be that TIE Fighter is the game that we seem to be measuring all other retro games by, which is probably a very good compliment to TIE Fighter, having it being one of the oldest games as well. James, what were your initial thoughts of the game? Well, unlike most other people, I think I wasn't using a joystick, I was still using the mouse and keyboard. Mainly the mouse for everything, actually, besides power management and stuff, so just moving it and clicking to shoot. It was a bit weird to start with, because clicking wasn't working to shoot, and then enter to shoot was also just making the laser bolts appear miles away from me uh, but that was just in the first flight so I, that wasn't really a, a long term pain. It was quite interesting actually seeing quite a unique blend of the space sim ideal with the sort of strategy, base management and having your probes out and choosing how many ships to send and which one to take command of. I thought it was really interesting and it seemed a bit slow at the beginning and a little bit easy but it sounds like it will get a bit harder later on. Yeah, well, if you could just put your probes away, please, that'd be handy. Yeah, the XCOM games do tend to ramp up quite violently. It's almost like there's the first half of the game and then there's the second half of the game and you battle hard through the first half of the game and then all of a sudden you can tell you're doing better because the thing just jumps up to a level of impossibility again. And it's quite an interesting way that they've got of making the game more challenging. Just when you're getting used to it, you've got your tactics sorted out. They then make you have to rethink and change the way you do things. So I can only imagine that the XCOM Interceptor is much along the same lines, although I'm sure Colin will keep me right. Ben? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, as with all other XCOM games, if you make bad strategic decisions early on in the game, you can lose the game despite winning all the missions. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they are quite tough on you like that. And, of course, having the pilot permadeath as well, where your little characters die. Rory? Yeah, I I really like the strategic aspect of it and the actual overview of the strategic map if you like I thought was really clear and easy to read and it was really easy to see what was going on at any point in time and then you could accelerate the time on so that hours and days were passing and you could still see what was going on without being lost. I did find the actual interface a bit clunky though you know where you're moving from your research to your galaxy map to all that I found that a bit kind of clunky but the actual concept of the game where you have the strategic overview and you're actually planning what's going on is a new feature for me when we're talking about space sims so I really like that yeah it was quite a nice little bolt on to a well established and working game features that brings us nicely on into the gameplay and what we felt about the actual gameplay 
you know, has anyone got anything they'd like to say about the flight engine, the combat? Rory, again. I found the actual flight model quite nice. The, the joystick was very sensitive, and, you know, if I moved the joystick a millimetre, it was shooting off to one side. But once I'd reduced the sensitivity, it was actually quite smooth. And when you fired your missile, you could actually tell you were in a 3D space, if that makes sense, rather than, for example, in Wing Commander 3, you felt like you were literally just panning around a screen. In this, I actually felt I was in a 3D space, because you had those large things flying past you that were enormous. They were like the size of ships, weren't they? But it did give you an impression that you were in a 3D space and you were moving around a 3D space, and I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, there was was it some kind of debris in space, wasn't it, that would fly past you? Yeah, that's right, and they, they were enormous. I honestly thought I was going to crash into them, but I then realised that, no, they're just there to give you an impression of movement. And once I'd got over that, I was really pleased they were there, because I could actually tell that I was moving in a particular direction at a particular speed. So, yeah, I thought it was really quite good. I kind of found that, even with the sort of jerkiness of the gameplay for me aside, I found there was not really much in the way of sense of speed. Uh, Colin, have you got something to say about this? Well, yeah, the sense of speed, it didn't really register until you were actually following the enemy craft themselves. I think that's just one of the reasons why everyone was a little thrown, because all of a sudden there were these dots in the distance, and before you know it, they were basically full screen. You just lost that kind of sense of perspective. Once you got used to it, however, then it really began to pick up, if you see what I mean. Once you got your eye in eventually to, to handle how they manoeuvred, it actually really began to play a lot smoother than I remember. Interesting. James? In terms of the combat system, it goes a little bit back to what I was saying before, where I was saying it starts really easy and it would probably get a bit harder. In the very first battle I went into, the controls weren't working very well, and I told Colin what I was up against. It was a medium alien squadron with four UFOs in it, and he was going, oh, James, you're in for a bit of a hard time there. And I went in, and not being able to shoot anything, I I came out a minute later, perfectly intact, heading back to base. And it seems like I'm almost going to say the wingmen are too good at their job. I'm not sure how well that'll hold up in the future. The flight model was good. The combat system seemed quite good as well. Yeah, so generally quite impressive. So it did sort of satisfy your twitching needs? You felt like you were in a sort of good combat simulator? Maybe if my reaction times were, were tested a little bit more, and I felt like I was under a bit more pressure. You found it acceptable. That's quite interesting as well. Ben? Well, I think we all went off and had our three wingmen out, or two wingmen rather, and the wingmen definitely felt like they pulled their weight, shall we say, for the beginning missions. Whether they do later on or not, who knows. I know for my own perspective, until I got the Gatling laser, actually shooting anything out of the sky was a blooming nightmare, and I was relying very heavily on my wingmen. The missiles definitely helped, but I was going to agree with the sense of the 3D environment. I did a couple of Defend the Base missions, and where you're sort of buzzing your own tower, basically trying to defend it, it's quite an impressive sense of scale going on there that I really appreciated. And now we'll go on to graphics and discussing what the graphics were like in the game. The game was made in 1998, so we do have to take that into account, which does make it younger than TIE Fighter. Do we feel, seeing as we always seem to be comparing everything to TIE Fighter now, do we feel the graphics were an improvement on TIE Fighter? I, for one, found that the menu system was very dated and 
very static as well, which was okay, but it did make it quite tricky to work out what was a decorative feature and what was a button. Anyone else got any thoughts of the graphics? I do. I mean, I can't talk for TIE Fighter because I didn't play in it, but I agree with you there completely, Grant, with the interface. It wasn't clear what was a button and what wasn't a button, and I was quite often hovering over something that was clearly there just for decoration because I thought it was a button. And when you're not in combat, the whole interface there is, I found, a little bit painful. Um, But the actual in-game, in-combat graphics, I thought, were really good because I don't know if anyone did it, but if you pressed some of your F keys, it gave you a view out of the side of your cockpit and then another of the F keys, I can't remember which, was like a chase camera. And they were actually really great. I didn't do it much, but the graphics that I did see there, I was really impressed with. Did you see the there was a function, the, the forward slash key brought up a little strange video, almost like you were tuning into some kind of alien soap opera? <laughs> no, I didn't see that one. <laughs> it, might, it might have just been me then, but <laughs> I, I was trying to find keys to press and I tried that one and it brought up these little animations and if you pressed again it would rotate through them. It's obviously different screens and for the centre part of your cockpit oh. and you know the, the videos were quite well rendered. I did see a little scene with a, a fat grey walking around somewhere that just popped up in the screen but I have no idea what it was about. I don't know if I pressed a key to bring that along or not, I don't know. But I did see some funny little animation. I've no idea what that was about either. (laughs) (laughs) Simon, what did you think about the graphics? I thought the graphics were really good for the time. I mean, they they obviously have dated slightly and there's no widescreen view, it's all in a four three box view but i found that when you did press f2 because the nature of space is it's black you didn't really notice it as such so it looked kind of widescreen the pressing the f2 obviously got rid of the cockpit view so you just had the cursor on the screen and the firing of the lasers and to me that made a huge difference to the game it actually looked pretty decent i thought for the time in the actual graphics user interface, like you were saying, some of the buttons didn't quite stand out, and finding some of the things that you had to look at it meant you had to hover over the various buttons to try and find out what they were doing, and it wasn't very clear what the buttons were. You had to do a lot of trial and error. But one thing I did really like graphically was the actual galaxy map. Is when you zoomed in a bit, you saw the little planets orbiting the sun. Now, obviously, you saw these little two dots rotating around a sun, but I thought it was quite a nice little touch, actually, to have them in the game, that little animation, because it made it feel like you were looking at a futuristic galaxy map. Yeah, I think it had a lot of little hidden features that you could find just by trial and error and just stumble across them and go, ooh, look at that. But I have to confess, I forgot all about pressing the F2 button. I think one of the other things with that game is it's, Still in the, you've got to read the manual era. There's no real tutorial to the game as such. So I still think that at that time they're still expecting you look at the manual, read the manual, and it will tell you all these things, whereas we just jump straight in as usual. Well, no, because we've got our own walking, talking manual, which we shall move to next. Colin! Hello. As far as the manual's concerned on this, a lot of the problems that we would have had navigating the, the screens would have been handled using that manual. And I think one of the problems that people had was it was very stylized. 
because it was supposed to be set in the sort of, you know, the Jets type of future, so you had all these Flash Gordon type ships and things like that. Which, of course, when you're looking for easy-to-use, intuitive controls, you're not going to have. As far as the flight engine graphics, they were perfectly acceptable. You could certainly tell what was a, an enemy ship, and I did see my own wingman taking out quite a few more UFOs than I ever did. So, you know, for the time, I think it was quite impressive. And even now, it doesn't detract from the game experience at all. I found it was very much the the whole flat menu that we've been talking about was standard micropose. Ben, what do you think? No, I think I'd echo what the guys were saying. It was obviously the the menu structure was very stylized, and that in some ways makes the game dated, in some ways makes it timeless. It didn't look like an old menu structure, it just looked like a weird one, I felt, and it was something that you had to get used to and figure out what on earth that you're trying to do. But getting into the actual flight model, yes, the ships and things like that could have had more polygons, there could have been higher resolution texture maps and things like that, but they were all very serviceable. They were obviously a wee bitty better than TIE Fighter or Wing Commander 3 era games. So yeah, I thought the graphics were generally very serviceable. Actually, one thing I did notice about the graphics was uh, I made a lot of use of my missiles because that seemed to be the only way I was able to hit anything. And it was nice actually following your missile and watching the contrail of that going off and hopefully even getting the UFO and then seeing the UFO trailing sparks and debris behind it, letting you know that it, uh, you'd hit it and things. Which I thought that was, that was a nice wee touch. Was there any in-game explosions, actually, when the ships were destroyed? Because I'm not aware of there being one. Yes. yes, there were. I thought it was more just a sort of like flash of white and then it was gone. No, I'm, I'm sure I remember seeing flash of white, some debris on screen bits and bats flying around as you fly through it and things. I mean, it would have helped if I'd destroyed one or two, um, but I didn't. Mm. I think I worried a few alien pilots, and that's about the best of my abilities. (laughs) I saw, um, I don't know if it was a ship blown up, but you know in the special editions of the original Star Wars trilogy, when they blew up the Death Star, you had that kind of... Well, that vertical explosion. Yeah. I saw something similar to that. I don't know if that was a ship blowing up or what, but that looked really nice. I don't know if anyone else saw something like that, did they? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I thought that looked really great. You know, you see this sort of circular blast wave blowing out. I thought that that looked really nice, actually. Actually, and it was a little bit better done than that, because if you got hit by that blast wave, it knocked power away from your shields. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice wee game feature. Mm. Any of the explosions that happened, say, if your missiles were too close when they hit, you'd take damage from your shields. It's not something I witnessed because I never killed anything. (laughs) Rory, did you have something else to add? Oh, one thing was that you and your mate's lasers were orange, but the aliens' lasers were white. So from a distance you could say, oh, there's an alien ship because it's firing white lasers, and there's my mate because there's firing orange lasers, and oh dear, the white lasers are going towards my mate. So that's pretty much how I saw my wingmen, which was them being shot at. But I I don't remember actually seeing the ship. I saw plenty of white lasers shooting across the front of my ship, but um, I think my wingmen just mostly moaned at me through the comms channel of, could you give me a hand here, please? Could you give me a hand? Could you give me a hand? It's like, I'm trying. 
<laughs> I am. I really am this bad. I cannot shoot these bloody things. They're moving too fast. That takes us actually nicely on. What did we think of the Pew Pew Factor? How were the in-game sounds? And I want to start us on this one because I actually thought the in-game sounds were excellent. I really did think they were really, really good. The laser sound was convincing, but it was the subtle sounds that really set it off. The rumbles, the shakes in the cockpit that you could almost feel. that It was a such immersion-making feature of the sound that I absolutely loved it. In the flight scenes, the standard menu sounds apply. You know, they're just non-specific, non-special. Colin, what do you have to say about the sounds? Well, I thoroughly enjoyed them. I mean, there was a couple of sounds where I think both me and James noticed on the menus. We went, "Ooh, that's 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 different." But yeah, the the sounds from the lasers were absolutely fine. You could tell the difference between your lasers and the enemy's plasma guns, which was also helpful. And I must admit, when you finally got hold of the the Gatling laser and started plowing that into an enemy, you you had a real satisfying multiple zap sound that went with it. So I was really impressed with the the whole sound. Oh, and it had the Doppler effect when the ships passed one another, so you didn't have that same issue that we had with Wing Commander 3 last week. That's right. Well, it just seemed to be sound clips at random intervals or when you happened to trigger them. Simon, what did you think of the sound? I really enjoyed the sound. I mean, Colin mentioned there that there was a good Doppler effect. The Gatling guns, when you start firing them, were absolutely superb. It really goes down. And I think they could easily port that into a game today, that sound. It was that good. The heavy laser had a really bassy sound to it that I enjoyed too. And the explosions themselves, the actual... Because I got, on one occasion, I got too close to the ship and I did get that slight damage and the explosion was sound specific so I went past it on the left hand side and I heard the explosion in my right headphone so it wasn't just a generic explosion it was actually quite sound specific I was quite impressed with that for a game of the age yeah I thought the sounds were very realistic actually James well, I found out from quite early on, because I loaded up the game and immediately I realised it was too loud, so I went into the options and turned it down quite a bit, almost all the way actually, because it was really loud and I got it to what sounded like a reasonable level, and then when I actually got into a bit of dogfighting, the music was still really loud, so I realised I'd actually turned down sort of the pew-pew, the explosions, you know, all the stuff that actually mattered... And the music was still blaring in my ears, and I didn't actually end up turning that back up. So I don't have much to say about the actual the in-game sounds. Music was nice, though. And like Colin said about the menu sounds, there were a few sort of bleeps and bloops there that were a bit different to what you'd expect. They sounded like some of the more obscure droids from Star Wars. And, and I actually really liked those. So the menu sounds were definitely good. Fantastic. I had the opposite. I turned the music off, so I couldn't even comment on the music. It's good that you actually heard it. Did you find it very elevatory? Was it my favourite Plinky Plonky? Or did it have sort of a good orchestral feel to it? To be honest, I wasn't really paying loads of attention to it. So it's weird. It was nice music and I enjoyed its accompaniment, but I didn't really identify it. Do you know what I mean? It was it was sort of that... You're making this that. up as you go along, aren't you? I'm not. I'm not making this up. I honestly, I can't remember the music. I can't remember what it was like, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's a sign of a very good evening when you come home. You can't remember it. You can't remember what it's like. That's when you need to go down to the doctors and get checked over. <laughs> 
I think one thing that I liked about this game's sound was it actually had its own sound palette, so that when the alien ships, when the UFOs went past you, it wasn't like that that you get with like X-Wing or something like that, but it was like a kind of 60s alien bad spaceship sound effect, which I thought was really great. All the sounds fitted within the theme, is that what you're saying? Yes, and they weren't trying to copy anyone else's, they were like, no, this is our game, we're doing it our way, and screw you guys. But I thought the other thing that was really nice, and we've seen this in a couple of other games, was the taunts that you could give to the UFOs, or that the UFOs would give back to you again. You know, very much similar, I guess, to the the way the Wing Commander gives its taunts with the Karathi going off and having a go at you while you're shooting them. I think it was where the criticism for the game came in, was that it did steal all these kind of references from other games, and the taunts were, what was the, the I used quite a few of them, and it was, um, uh, you'll not be abducting anybody soon, and get back to your mothership, and all that kind of stuff, so they were quite quite cheesy. But there's not wrong with a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I think that's what, if you give your suspension of disbelief that it's not a hard-hitting sci-fi game, it's a wee bit of fun. It's 1960s taking the mickey out of sci-fi idea. Yeah, it was good fun added into a game that was challenging, so you had these little moments of joviality. Well, I, I did like some of the, the insult, yeah, wingmen threw at the, the baddies, like you sort of like, go say hello to Elvis Bug and things like that. And every single time the aliens would taunt you, there was a little picture of them came up as they taunted you, but they taunted it in their language. And as you'd researched more, the, the language you would then translate into English, so eventually they would insult yeah. you properly. I like that. That wraps up the sound. So now we have to move on to the next section, which is the fun part. What would we like to see from that game in Elite Dangerous, if anything? Uh, James? One of the things that has been brought up in the Elite Dangerous development, you know, the things people are actually going to want, was managing stations. And I think that's probably what some people are going to say, do you know what, that was really good in this game, and I, I think, you know, that would be really good in Elite. I don't agree with that. I think that that's something we should probably avoid having in Elite rather than implementing. I'm not sure there was anything specific that I want to point out as having an Elite, but that was definitely one of the things that I thought people were going to say they wanted, and that I wanted to point out that it's something I definitely don't want. You want to kibosh that point before anyone raises it? Yeah, basically. That makes sense, because I think I'm kind of against owning space stations in Elite 2. However, if they were to implement them, having that kind of modular ability like XCOM Interceptor allowed, where you could basically add modules to your station, would be a fantastic way of doing it if we went down that route, which I don't think we're going to see for a number of years, if at all. Ben? It's something that I think I've heard that Frontier of saying that they're always going to be showing you the cockpit, but I think we all actually in that game, we, we jumped out of the cockpit and went to like a HUD-only view, and I think that's something I actually like, sort of take off all the artwork of the game, let me just see what I need to see and go sort of zoom in and give me the maximum real estate and the minimum amount of bullshit on screen. And I would like to see that as a interface option, at least for Elite Dangerous. We are knocking these terms out of the park tonight. Maximum real estate, minimum bullshit. That is beautiful. <laughs> Rory! 
I'll tell you one thing I quite like. You know the little galaxy map, galactic map that you saw, the sort of strategic overview. I liked the way you could zoom in on each particular um, star system because that's something we haven't yet seen, is it? The, the the galactic map, really. We've seen that one orrery shot, haven't we, for that thing which was months ago, but we haven't actually seen the galactic map. And it will be really nice to see that. And I like the way that you could go from the large strategic galactic map and zoom right into the system and see the sun and the planets. It gave you a real sense that you were actually looking at something that was really there rather than just some rubbish representation of it. I think getting the galactic map right in, in Elite will be really important. I think that's something that they have mentioned in the Elite forums about the galactic map is the ability to zoom right in from the furthest out point right down the planet so you can see what's there. So that, I think, is going to happen and hopefully it will be beautiful and seamless. Colin? Well, there was one thing that I did actually like and that was the afterburners. I love the fact that this one had afterburners. But this also had the emergency stop, which was very useful when I had a, an alien UFO on my backside. I'd like to have that kind of level of emergency stop so that things would just fly straight past you. <laughs> yes, I think I think that's something that also landed into the likes of having the slide functions as well would allow for that kind of gameplay and rotation and such. But you're basically saying whenever there's something you don't know what it is hanging around your arse, you'd like to be able to stop. I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. Later on in the game, you can actually get the sort of the lateral thrusters and the things like that, which basically turn it into... You don't bother following a flight model at all. You just, oh, I'll just go off in this direction. And even though you put your ship's pointing in that direction. I mean, this is the kind of thing that all goes back to kind of the Newtonian physics and the, the flight model arguments that we've had before. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show tonight. It's um, our favourite part of the evening is where we get to mark the game out of 10. So, we are going to go to our rose-tinted human manual for the game. Colin, what would you give that game out of 10? Actually, I quite enjoyed it. A heck of a lot better than Wing Commander. I'm going to go 7.5. That's quite a high score for you. Okay, we'll go to James. Yeah, I enjoyed it on what I played tonight. I'll say it was a 6. Uh, Rory, what's your marks out of 10? I'm going to give that 6. I like the strategic aspect of it. The, the flight model was good. The graphics were reasonable. So yeah, 6. Fantastic. Ben, your marks? So yes, I'd give that game a good 7, I think. Like everyone says, I really enjoyed it. I found it more fun than Wing Commander. I didn't think it was as much fun as TIE Fighter, so I'll put it somewhere in between. Fantastic. And we go over to our resident rage quitter, Simon. Hello, I actually really enjoyed it tonight, so I'm going to give it eight and a half. Eight and a half? There's something about the game, I really got into it, all the various tasks you have to do. Uh, so the management side of things I thought was a lot better. Once you got into it, it made a lot of sense. So yeah, eight and a half out of two for me. Fantastic, a very generous score. I had quite a hellish experience of the game tonight. Um, it was unplayable for me but I'm not going to hold that against the game because I could see features that I like. Again talking NPCs which we're not going to see in Late Dangerous which is a shame and it had enough of the XCOM universe that I love so I'm going to have to score this at a 7.5 as well. 
So I think overall that actually brings the score on average to seven and a half out of ten, which is extremely respectable. That leaves us with one little task to do, and that is to pick the rear guard who will stay behind and play the game and see whether or not our snapshot tonight of our two-hour gameplay gave a fair representation of the game or whether there's a little bit more to be had from it, whether there's more fun aspect, whether the little pop culture comments do break the immersion, whether it becomes too difficult. And uh, we'll report back in the next show and give us their findings and their thoughts and their updated score. So we put six names into the hat and as we spin the tombola of doom, whose name comes out? And the rear guard is Simon and James. So Simon and James will be reporting back to us in the next episode about their experiences of playing some extended play of XCOM Interceptor. That's us for this week. Uh, all that remains is to thank everyone for coming in. And before we go, I'd like to bring some attention to a community project that the Retrolave team are supporting and taking part in. And that, of course, is Movember, that wonderful charity raising awareness of testicular and prostate cancer, where we have to attempt to grow a moustache in a month. Now, for me, this is a challenge because it's going to take me months and months and months and months to grow a proper moustache. There's going to be a lot of moustache envy. But if you go onto the Movember website and search for the Team Mobra Mark III, you will find us. And please do put your support in and throw some pounds our way because we've already managed to raise enough to force Michael Brooks to shave off his beard and join us. And Igor, who is the lead programmer. <laughs> so please do come along to the website, do support us. There are links up in the forums. Uh, you can get a link on the laveradio.com website too. Thanks to Rory, Ben, Simon, James and Colin for taking part tonight. And that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the journey back in time. If you would like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on a Monday night at 8.30pm on Skype. Add lave.radio to your Skype list and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest updates. Until next time, it's game over. Can I, can I just stop you for a second? Let's let's try that one again. Um, right, mute, mute, mute. We'll go again this time, and I'll get James Vigor. Vigor, oh, does again. it have to do with anything? Right, right from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, I didn't record oh, any of it. Christ! <laughs> 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 okay.
Yeah, it was, it was good, good fun added into a game that was challenging. Yeah. So you had these little moments of joviality. You go for it, because I'm never going to get out. Uh, how do I say this in Grant's voice? Joviality. No. Yeah, thank you. Perfect. <laughs> I like a good flopper. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Ben? I could afford a good flop. <laughs> fluff. A good flopper. A good flopper. Uh, you know. Yes. Remember okay. Viagra hadn't been invented in nineteen ninety eight. Yes, it had. They just called it asparagus. <laughs> the only trick was you didn't cook it, you just had to sort of strap it around. <laughs> to me. I'm sure I remember seeing something about a trick with elastic bands actually. <laughs> Too much information. My asparagus one was pushing the boundaries, then bringing in elastic bands, that's just <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I I don't expect more than I know a couple millimeters of hair coming off my upper lip. <laughs> Fantastic. Who else? And in, incidentally, who else on the team has already signed up and part of the team? Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I think we all. Yeah, are. same here. I think we all are. Yeah. Do you actually shave at the moment, James? I do shave, but infrequently. Talking about your face. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, am I. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I meant his legs. I can't help it if you guys' minds are in the gutter. Um, does anyone else have any projects or any upcoming things they want to announce and share with the world? Yeah, I would like to point out I am the writer <laughs> of BSG. No, can't quite uh, hear you there. Sorry, Simon, you're breaking up. I'd rather keep taking all the credit for it. <laughs> I'm going to have to do this in a deep voice. That's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the journey back in time. If you would like to join the Retrolave team to play and then record, we gather on a Monday night at 8.30. Gordon's alive!